Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So I was going through the archives trying to find something Christmassy, which, if you're confused because it's the middle of July, that's because you didn't read the title of this one yet. It's our Christmas in July special. And these are fine, right? But it's Christmas, so I feel like you deserve something more. This is more. This is a lot more than before. Is it great? I don't know. But it's better. Is it Mariah Carey? No. But do I have the rights to that? Also, no. And I don't want to get sued for Christmas. So this is the best we can do. Crank up the AC, make some hot cocoa, because I've got questions about our holiday traditions. Actually, it was one of you that asked about mistletoe, and I thought, yeah, let's do that. But why wait for December? Let's go ahead and do it now. First thing, though, full disclosure, we're not really sure about the whole Christmas in July thing, how that got started, probably marketing. There's also a story about a summer camp in North Carolina back in the 30s, but it's hard to figure out. So just enjoy the sales if you see one or the bars that put up decorations for a weekend. There's one near me that does that. And we will talk about the rest of the stuff that we do know about. And here is somebody who knows a whole lot. So I'm Bruce Forbes. I publish under Bruce David Forbes, professor of religious studies at Morningside University in Sioux City, Iowa. And his books, Christmas, A Candid History, and America's Favorite Holidays, Candid Histories. Now, where to start? Santa? No, he's an end-of-the-night kind of guy. Mistletoe? We'll get to that. But first, probably just Christmas, right? Because that's the big question. And it's kind of hard to pin down. The first chapter in my book about the history of Christmas is, first there was winter. (laughs) Human beings had winter celebrations. And all these celebrations, they had some things that were predictable. Well, you'd have it when the days stopped getting shorter and start getting longer again, middle of December. What would you do? You'd feature lights against the darkness. You'd feature evergreens of different kinds. You'd probably have a party and have people get together. You'd have gifts. All of those things, people and cultures, especially in Western Europe, had those kinds of winter celebrations before Jesus ever walked the earth. So there's your baseline. Now let's skip ahead to the time that the Christians came along. This is a big surprise for lots of people. Christians do not have an annual celebration for the birth of Jesus for about 300 years. Yeah, they were more about Easter. And I wish we had a document from some pope or some emperor or somebody that said, this is why we started doing it, and this is why we chose the date, because there is nothing in the Bible that gives a month or a day when Jesus was born. So what happened? Well, it seems like they, the Christians, just kind of put this right in between celebrations that the Romans were already having. Why? I mean, I could guess. I could say maybe they're trying to compete with an earlier religion, or maybe they're trying to co-opt it. Maybe they're trying to calm it down. But all I know is anybody who tells you why we started that, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Just that it was always a mix, a lot of things going on from the very beginning. And that festival idea, that actually leads us to our mistletoe question. Yeah, evergreens, holly, 
ivy, and mistletoe. So mistletoe starts out by just being a normal plant for winter celebrations. Uh, Also way back in the ancient times, it seemed to be kind of sacred. Uh, And the reason is, I mean, if everybody knows what mistletoe is, it's a fungus. Yeah, it's not as nice as as we think it is. (laughs) Early peoples would think it's living kind of halfway between heaven and earth because it has no roots that go into the ground, which makes it very special, sacred or healing or whatever. But... What about the kissing? I'll tell you, I'm going to argue for one person, and that is Washington Irving. Uh, Rip Van Winkle and Legend of Sleepy Hollow, in the same book, he told about going to England and seeing customs, and he has one sentence where he says, kissing under the mistletoe. Seems like a passing thing, but I think that's the seed that is planted, and then it takes off, and I think he intended that to happen, because he, along with Charles Dickens, are known for what we call invented traditions. So they write about things and make them seem old, but in a way they're kind of making this up. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know what? Just put it in print and people will think it goes back forever. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Now something else green, the trees. What's the deal with the trees? And did they really put candles on them? Because that's what we heard as kids, right? Well, first, could I say about the candles? Yeah, it sounded unsafe to me. In those cases, when they did have candles on Christmas trees, they lit the candles and then blew them out within about 10 minutes. That's why why it was safe. (laughs) Christmas trees go back to the 1500s, and it's mostly German. Germans helped spread it. So when you have like royal marriages, especially when it gets to England, it's Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. Prince Albert was German. And I guess if the royals are having trees, then eventually everybody wants them, right? Right. Yes. And the other interesting thing to remember there is if you see a visual, it's always on a table. So these early trees were smaller. And then the presents associated with them were smaller. They were either token things that were hanging from a tree or sitting on the table. The trees don't grow until gift giving goes crazy. And so then we need trees that are floor to ceiling in our houses in order to take care of all those presents. I wonder if America played a role in that too, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. Since you mentioned presents, uh, let's move on to the big guy who I guess used to be a lot smaller, but can we do St. Nick and then do Santa Claus? Let's let's split them up. Well, yeah, St. Nicholas is the beginning and then he morphs into Santa Claus. And where he morphs into Santa Claus is in the United States. The beginnings are St. Nicholas, who is an early figure from the 300s, where it's really hard to tell what's history and what's legend. But he was apparently a bishop in what's now Turkey, a child of a wealthy family, pledged that before he died, he would give away all his wealth. The most famous story about St. Nicholas is that He's walking down the streets of a town at night at one time and hears a widowed father in tears talking to his three daughters saying, I have no money. I can't provide a dowry. And so St. Nicholas comes by one night and drops a bag of gold through the window, which provides a dowry for one daughter. Hmm. Second night, another, another. This becomes St. Nicholas as generous as caring about children. And then other stories go on and on so that he becomes seen as kind of a protector of everyone. So he's just an incredibly popular saint. And eventually, the Netherlands, the Dutch, come up with this tradition that St. Nicholas on a horse will fly down for St. Nicholas Day. That's our first step to Santa. Next one is getting to the U.S., to New Amsterdam, which was New York before it was New York. St. Nicholas Day dinners. Pictures of him go up in a robe, and then through the years, people start to make changes. First, he gets a wagon for the flying horse. Then he gets a pipe. Another stage then is the famous poem, The Night Before Christmas, which we've all heard. Now we have reindeer. 
Now he's going to come on Christmas Eve. And you know, here's what most people don't notice here. If you read that poem, he is an elf. Not yeah. only, he doesn't just say a jolly old elf. It says a miniature sleigh, a tiny reindeer. Once it was first published with an illustration, that illustration looks like a scruffy leprechaun. Looks, <laughs> that's wild. So that's very different. And by the way, the name is changing. The Dutch term for St. Nicholas was Sinterklaas. It's a short distance from Sinterklaas to Santa Claus. That's how we anglicize it. And then you got Thomas Nast, who's a famous illustrator, and he provides an illustration that if I could show it to you, you'd recognize. Uh, department stores get into it. And then eventually... Is it Coca-Cola? Did they do it? Yes. There you go. And it's <laughs> because it. they decided... Well, think about Coca-Cola. Wouldn't you like to have sales, not just in the summer, but in the winter? <laughs> so let's think of a marketing campaign. And they hired a guy named Haddon Sundblom, and they had him for, for 30 years or so provide a different image in a different setting. And they were on billboards and magazine advertisements and cardboard cutouts. 30 years of that. People say Coca-Cola created Santa. No, they didn't, but they kind of polished him off a bit. It kind of freezes our image. You know, if I say to you, Santa Claus, I know what picture comes to your mind. And it's because of that steady drumbeat of the image that Coca-Cola gave us. Did you know that? I feel like that one's kind of a big reveal, if you didn't know before. We're going to get the uh, crackling fire going in the background while we get out of here just to keep the ambiance the same. This was fun. Thanks for listening. Do something fun today because it's only five months till the actual holidays. You should start celebrating early. Send me more questions. I've got questions at odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Somebody wanted to know how dry cleaning works, one about yawning, how they made mummies in ancient Egypt. So we've got like a wide range of things coming. This comes from KNX News 97.1 in Los Angeles. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.